Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Tonight is the final part on the remnant church. Three separate parts on the remnant church. We actually started last, uh, gosh, what would that have been? Last Sunday night. Then we touched on the second one Wednesday night. And now we're going to touch on the final one tonight. The remnant church. All through the Bible, the Bible talks about a remnant. And in the Old Testament, referring to those of who are a part of the children of Israel who would serve God faithfully. A remnant doesn't refer to all Israel. A remnant doesn't refer to all the body of Christ. A remnant, the biblical definition of the word remnant, refers to those of the body of Christ or those of the children of Israel that would serve God faithfully. If you'll notice this on your notes, we've got the definition on the top again. Let's look at it together. Definition, by the term remnant, we mean that there are people today, like in every generation, underline it, who will serve God no matter what. What will they do? Serve God no matter what. God has always had a people in every generation who walked with him. He always has had a people in every generation who walked with him. They came out from among the rest. You got to underline that. They came out from among the rest and they were known as his people and he as their God. Think about it. In the time frame of the children of Israel coming out of uh, Egypt, who was the remnant? Who was the remnant? Joshua and Caleb. Out of the millions that came out of Egypt in bondage, only two really uh, got to go into the promised land. Three were really a part of what we know as a remnant, which included Moses. But think about that. Out of all that mass amount of people, there was only three people out of that mass amount of people that really served God, really honored God. And we see this all through the scriptures. The Bible's clear about the remnant, even in relationship to who Jesus is coming back for. And we'll show you that tonight. Who is he going to come and rapture off the planet when he comes and returns in the air and catches those away who he's coming for? It'll be the remnant. It'll be the remnant. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Number 1 on your notes, we'll read real real quick. A remnant will do what? Meet the Lord in the air. A remnant of people will meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Paul here by the Holy Spirit said, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. I don't want you to be what? Ignorant. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Who are those who fall asleep here? Those who have died physically, who have gone on to be with the Lord. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have already physically passed away. And therefore sorrow as others who have no hope that you would never see them again. 14. For if we believe that Jesus died, how many believe that? And rose again, how many believe that? Guess what? Even so God, say God. God God will bring with him, with Jesus, those who sleep in Jesus who have already passed away physically. 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are, underline these two phrases please, alive and remain. 
It's a key thing we're going to focus on tonight. Those who are alive and remain. Notice this. He says, this we say to you by the word of the Lord. By the what? So that phrase in verse 15, by the word of the Lord in the Greek language, means we got this from the Lord himself. We got this directive from the Lord himself. Now, Paul, if you know, again, used by God to write Thessalonians. Remember, he was not one of the original 12. He was added later. But we know through Paul's writings, especially in Corinthians, the Lord had appeared to him. The Lord had actually appeared to him multiple times. He got the understanding of what we talk about in 1 Corinthians 11 about communion directly from the Lord. He said, the Lord instructed me. The Lord gave me this. So here he's making another reference to the fact when he says in this verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, he's saying the Lord gave us this. The Lord's the one that spoke this to us. And what the Lord spoke to us is that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. Underline that phrase. Because the coming of the Lord, as you remember, as we went through, remember we went through our entire book of Revelation study with Dr. Sutton's text and walked through all of the book of Revelation. Remember what the coming of the Lord is. That's the rapture of the church. That's not the end of the age. That's not the end of all things. When Jesus returns this next time, it's not called the second coming. You listening? The rapture is not the second coming. People get these terms all mixed up. Second coming is when he steps foot, on, uh, steps foot down on the Mount of uh, Beatitudes in uh, Jerusalem and then walks down through and goes up into that temple. That's the second coming. He's been here on the planet once. He's coming back a second time. But the rapture, he doesn't step foot on the planet. He's going to be in the clouds. This is what the Bible calls his appearing, not the second coming. So he's referring to this appearing or what we would call rapture. A lot of people say rapture is not in the Bible. Well, just go look up the term rapture. It means catching away because that's what he's talking about doing here. So he says clearly those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord or the catching away of the church. Notice they will by no means precede those who are asleep. Why? Because they're already with him. Right? They're already with him. They're already there. The minute you as a child of God, born of God, walking with God, die on this planet, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So when the Lord comes back, is he going to be actually seen by himself in the clouds? No. All those who have gone before us will be with him. We'll see him in the air. So he says those who are obviously on the planet alive and remaining, they will not proceed, of course, those who are already with him. 16, for the Lord himself, say the Lord will. The Lord himself will do what? Descend from heaven with a shout. With a what? With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Underline this. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? All who have already gone on to be with God, who left their bodies behind, dust returned to dust. Guess what they're going to get? They're going to get a glorified body. The dead in Christ here doesn't mean their spirit. It means they're going to get a, an actual glorified body that's going to be united with them. You listening? So the dead in Christ will do what? Rise first, 17. Then we who are, once again underline it, alive and remain. We who are alive and remain, here's the, the rapture context, will be what? We will be caught up together with them in the air. Come on, in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall be what? What will we be? No, read the whole thing. What will we be? Always. Always with the Lord. 18, therefore do what? Comfort one another 
with these words. Now, the comforting part he talks about here is understanding those who have died already and gone on, we're going to see them again. They're going to get a glorified body. What's going to happen to every person who alive, who's alive and remaining when the rapture occurs? What's going to happen to them? Our body will be instantly transformed from mortal to immortal in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. Brand new body. Tell somebody, you're getting a brand new body. <clears throat> but the dead in Christ will precede you. God will give them a glorified body that came from this earth that he will give to them, and then we will be caught up to meet them in the air. Now, one thing, anybody ever see the movies that they did Left Behind? Anybody ever see those Left Behind movies? Now, the problem with those Left Behind movies is they make it appear as if all of a sudden, all these people just disappear from the planet. And everybody's looking around like, whoa, where did all these people go? Where did they go? And I remember one time talking to Dr. Hilton Sutton, who was one of our spiritual dads, one of the best end times teachers on the planet. And Dr. Sutton and I were talking, I said, Dr. Sutton, what do you think is going to happen with all these people's thinking when all of a sudden these people just disappear and they wonder where they went? And he said, oh, they're not going to wonder where they went. And I said, what? He said, no, they're going to know right where we went. And I said, really? He said, it's going to happen with the sound of a trumpet. It is not going to be a silent event, son. He said, Jesus is going to be seen in the context of what the Bible reveals in relationship to other rapture verses. He's going to be seen by the whole world during this event. In the book of Revelation, it says he'll be seen by all. So everybody else is going to watch me and you leave the planet and wonder why they're still standing down here. And thank God we can know that there is still a chance for them to get born again if they're not. Because then for the next three and a half years, there are going to be 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel. So this is what is known as the rapture of the church. 1A on your notes. Alive and remain, it says, until the coming of the Lord is the focus here. Who are those who are, are the alive and remain? They're the remnant. They're the remnant of the body of Christ. Now notice this, 1A1. Alive here means biologically. Obviously, this doesn't refer to people who have already gone on. Why? They're not alive physically anymore. They're not here. <clears throat> if you're still here alive physically, that's what it's referring to. You're still alive, meaning biologically, I'm still here on the planet. So alive biologically, but we also know that one has to be what? More than just breathing to make heaven, correct? Just because someone's alive doesn't mean that obviously at all that they are, uh, are or will be saved. So clearly they've got to be born again. But the phrase alive there in the Greek language is referring to the fact you're still here physically. You're still here. But notice this, uh, point two under A, remain. So he said, though, all, who's going to be raptured? He said it twice, all who are alive and remain. Right? So notice this, the word remain means to maintain your Christian walk. Now we'll prove this all through tonight through the scriptures that we're going to actually look at in, in Matthew 24 and some other references of what Je of things Jesus said. So to remain here means to maintain your Christian walk. This, is one, this means one must maintain their walk with Christ in order to stay in faith. Remember what Jesus said? When I come back, will I really find faith on the earth? Will I really find people still walking in faith, trusting in me? So clearly this is talking about those who are again themselves, goes on to say, those who keep themselves in the Christian lifestyle, they're going to meet the Lord in the air. Most of the church calls this the rapture. There is, notice, underline this, maintenance needed to remain. 
Underline it. There is maintenance needed in your life to remain. There's maintenance that you need to do in your life to remain faithful in your Christian walk. Now, I already know if you're thinking, although most in this church probably know it. Well, I don't understand. Why wouldn't every believer go? Well, you have to talk to God about that. Because we're going to see that in a little bit. But you know what? He talked about Laodiceans, a church, book of Revelation. And he told the Laodiceans, when I come back, what did he tell them? When I come back, you're lukewarm right now. He didn't say they weren't born again. He said you're lukewarm. And if something doesn't change, when I come back, I'm spewing you out of my mouth. You know what that means? You're not going. You're not going. So a lot of Christians who think I can just live any way I want, do anything I want, and I'm going to be caught up in the rapture, I'll guarantee you, there's a lot of scripture, a lot of things Jesus talks about relates to this that proves otherwise. Are we earning our right to go to heaven? Nope. We've been given that right by Jesus Christ. But what we're doing is we're maintaining what he gave us. Amen. Amen. Because the truth is, any believer who gets in any form of a lifestyle, listen to me, of willful sin, of willful sin. Paul writing to Timothy said, you are searing your conscience through with a hot iron. What's, the, what's your conscience? Come on, help me preach, church. You know these things. What's your conscience? The voice of your spirit, man, the one that's born again. Well, what if I sear my conscience through? You're not going to be sensitive to your spirit nor the Holy Spirit anymore. And that can lead you to what the Bible calls blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I don't think Christians take this serious enough. Because the truth is, if a sinner could do it, how would they know? How would they know? But literally a person who has the Holy Spirit living in them could blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Deny Him, reject Him, no longer want to walk with Jesus, deny their faith in Jesus. And in doing so, they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it's unpardonable. There's not another way you can get forgiven of that sin. Now, I want you to notice this. What if I miss the rapture? Now, you know, some people, before I go any further, you're just trying to scare us. <clears throat> Number one, I'm really not trying to scare you. <clears throat> if you're walking with God, you have no reason to fear. That's right. But number two, a lot of people say we shouldn't be afraid. Did you know what Jesus said in relationship to the Father? Don't be afraid of natural man who can harm you only in the natural. Be afraid of him who could actually cast you into the lake of fire. You know who's going, to, who's going to do that? God's going to have to based on your choice. Not like he's going to send you there because he wants to send you there, but because you, you chose to go, go there. So we need to have a reverential understanding of a fear or, or an actual acknowledgement of our desire to respect and honor God. Could I get an amen? amen? You know why Jesus died? One of the biggest reasons? To free you from sin. Not to free you to sin, but to free you from it. Aren't you glad? Notice this. What if I miss the rapture? By the way, our pastor, if you've never saw it, I encourage you to go watch it. You can go do a search on YouTube and you'll find it by Dr. Mark T. Barclay. What to do if you miss the rapture? Years ago, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to prepare this teaching because many of my people will be left behind. Matter of fact, if you remember, how many believe Wigglesworth was a true man of God who heard from the Lord? Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth, in a prophecy I've read to you many times, said it's going to take special preparation in the last days. To prepare for the Lord's return. He said that literally half of all Christians will be unprepared. Half of all Christians will be unprepared. I'll never forget Pastor and Dr. Sutton sitting down talking one time. I was there at the house getting privilege of hearing the conversation. Two great generals. Pastor looked at Dr. Sutton. He said, so the way I take it from the Bible, it seems like 50% of the body of Christ is going to be left behind. He said, I don't know how you take it any other way. Because when Jesus refers to coming back and there's two in a field and one going, one's left, he's not talking about sinners. 
Sinners are a given. When he talks about two in a bed, one goes and one's left, he's not talking about sinners. So he said literally everything Jesus talks about, about his appearing, not the coming, his appearing and these people leaving, it's a 50-50 split. How about the parable of the virgins? We'll talk about that in just a minute. So again, what if I miss the rapture? Tell your neighbor I ain't doing that, praise God. But pastor put it in here. Option one, so this comes from Dr. Roy Hicks Sr. This was one of the most studious, I mean, disciplined Bible students of the Bible you would ever ever meet. He was just an amazing man of God who studied the word like nobody's business. So this came from Dr. Roy Hicks, one of pastor's spiritual fathers. Option one, if you miss the rapture, you're going to have to deny ever knowing Christ. And therefore, you'd take the mark of the beast. You're going to die under horrible judgments poured out on the earth. And you're going to go to hell for eternity. Option one, if you miss the rapture. Option two, you'd have to admit that you're a Christian, which makes you an immediate target. You're going to have to admit you're a Christian. You miss the rapture because of your loose lifestyle. Therefore, you need to repent in the face of the Antichrist. And guess what? Uh, In repenting in the face of the Antichrist of your loose lifestyle, not to him because of how you've lived, you're going to die a vicious death in the streets and you're going to go to heaven for eternity. Now, anybody thinks this isn't going to happen, we taught you this, but in the book of Revelation, how many know there's a mid-tribulation rapture? Right in the middle of the tribulation, there's a mass amount of people that are caught up. Well, some of these are going to be, literally we found believers that have been martyred before that happens, that they're already going to be there. Before that rapture occurs. Many Christians will be martyred for their faith during the tribulation period. But here's a suggestion, all right, of the two options. I would actually ditch both of those and go to his suggestion. You ready? I said, are you ready? Live a life that totally represents Jesus Christ at all times. Maintain that lifestyle daily. Go with the remnant to meet him in the air and miss the whole horrible thing. Tell your neighbor, that's for me right there. Praise God. (laughs) That one's for me. So a lot of people still think, you know, we're kind of making all this stuff up about people missing the rapture that are born again. But again, B, verse 17, alive and remain is brought up a second time. I've taught you this. Anytime something comes up more than once in just a handful of verses, that's the focus. That's the heart of what he's trying to get across to those who he's talking to. Who is he talking to in the book of Thessalonians? Believers. He's talking to believers. So verse 17, he brings up alive and remain again. Once again, the terms alive and remain are used by the Holy Spirit in the same text. This must be, of course, therefore, a very important point. It must be very important to point to us. In other words, he's trying to point something out critical to us. Number two, you must not only be living at the Lord's appearing, but you better be living the life of what? A virgin with extra oil in your lamp. So think about those ten virgins. I mean, if you, if you just go from a basic perspective of the context of what you think of a virgin, pure, holy, clean. Well, if you even go to the Greek language, it refers to somebody who is completely unmarked by the world and therefore holy in the eyes of God. There's only one way you get that way. You've got to be born again. Right? The only thing that cleanses that old spirit man from that sin nature is the, is the blood of Jesus that you get when you obviously get born again. Is that correct? Yes. But what did Jesus talk about? Come on, in that parable, Matthew 25, in that parable of the virgins. He said five were wise and five were foolish. Yes. Right? Yes. They all had lamps burning. Lamp represents, by the way, salvation. They all had lamps burning. Thank God. But you know what? The wise had extra oil. 
They had an extra vessel of oil. They knew my lamp, if you've ever seen a lamp of the time frame of Jesus, it's not like what we think. Like go to Cracker Barrel, it's not that kind of lamp. Not a Cracker Barrel lamp, okay? It's a little open vessel that the oil, you can see it sitting right there in, and it has a little spot on the end where they light it, and it burns uh, all that oil until that oil is gone. But guess what? That alone is not enough. you got to keep extra oil around so as it starts dwindling down. You can actually pour the oil in it while it's still burning to keep it burning. And if you don't have the extra oil, guess what happens, you little flickering wick, when your little lamp starts going out? you got no extra oil to put in there. What does extra oil represent? Holy Spirit walking with God. And so Jesus said there was five, five, five foolish, five wise. You know what happened? They heard the call. You know what we've been hearing? We're hearing the call. Jesus is coming anytime. Yes. Right? Yet they all slept and slumbered. But the wise kept extra oil with them. Yes. And then the time came for the bridegroom is coming. And what did they do? They got up and they trimmed their lamps. And as they began to trim their lamps, what happened to the foolish? They began to run out of oil. Begin to flicker. What did the wise have? They had lamps burning bright. Why? They'd filled their extra, they'd taken their extra oil and poured it in their vessel, had plenty of oil. What did the foolish ask him to do? Because he didn't come that second. Right? I mean, the call had gone out since the time frame of the beginning of the New Testament. They thought Jesus was coming any day. But now, after having slumbered and slept for a period of years, guess what? All of a sudden, now the call comes. He's coming, man. I mean, it's close. And so everybody wakes up and starts lighting their lamp or getting their lamps trimmed. And guess what? The wise, man, their lamps are burning bright as all could be. And the foolish is starting to flicker. And what do the foolish do? What do the foolish do? Hey, we need some of your oil. Can you share some of your oil? No, you don't understand. If we give you part of our oil, our lamps go out. If our lamps go out, guess who Jesus has to come get? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's ready. Nobody's prepared. So literally what that is, is the foolish, listen, the foolish Christian trying to get the current wise Christian to come out of church, get out of your Bible, go to the world. You don't need all this church stuff. Come on, why are you going to church? You don't need all this God stuff. Why are you going to God? Let me help you. You need to stay as close to God as you've ever been. Because if you do, guess what you're doing? You're keeping your extra jar full. Can I get a better amen? And if you do, you're going to be ready. You're going to be ready. So clearly, again, you and I have to understand that the context of a virgin biblically is those that are born again. But not all ten go in the rapture. Because then all of a sudden, guess what happened? Isn't this amazing? The foolish at the very last second, they leave to go get extra oil. They knew where to get it all along. They knew all along where to get it. You know where you get it? Church, time with God, in the Word, right? So they go to try to get extra oil, and Jesus shows up. And the five wise go, and the five foolish don't. And the five foolish come back, and they're gone and say, Hey, wait a minute. You left us behind. Should have been ready. Told you over and over again. Come on, somebody. So you and I got to realize in, in B2, this, again, you must not only be living at the Lord's appearing, physically alive. You better be living a life of a virgin with extra oil in your lamp or a wise virgin. Tell your neighbor, be a wise virgin. See, verse 18 of these verses, therefore do what? Comfort one another with these words. If you're living the life that you should be as a believer, now this is simply saying, walk Close to God. Don't draw away from God. I've told you this over and over again. Go to Matthew 24 while I'm telling you this. I've told you this over and over again. Let me tell you who you don't want to cut out of your life today. Let me tell you who you don't want to put on the back burner. You don't want to put God second. You still here? 
how about this big movement? You know, I am second. You ever seen this? All these athletes, I am second. Because I tell you what, we, if we stay in a position where we're supposed to be submitted to God, make sure he's first in my life. Well, let me help you. You don't want to turn that around. And you become first and God becomes second. And now all of a sudden God starts getting cut out of your life. You're far better to cut other things out of your life that you say are keeping you from walking close with God than you allowing those things in your life and cutting God out. The last thing, you, last thing what you want to do is cut God out of your life. So if I have plenty of oil, guess what else I am? I'm protected. I'm protected by God because the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. And guess what the devil's going to keep doing on believers' lives as the time goes forward? He's going to keep putting more burdens and yokes on them because they got no anointing to get it off of their life. Matthew 24. So we've taught you on this in detail before. We've gone into this a lot in detail. This again picks up with the disciples asking three questions. Jesus begins to answer their questions. He's about to go to the cross. He's already told them that. And so now he begins to answer these three questions, which includes the end of the age, but it also includes the rapture of the church, but it also includes the destruction of the temple they're now looking at. Remember, they looked at the temple. Oh, Jesus, isn't the temple so beautiful, original temple? Oh, yeah. But guess what? It's coming down. It's going to be destroyed. Really? When's that going to happen? And by the way, when are you going to come back? When's your appearing? And when is the end of the age of all things? So he answers these three questions. He doesn't do them in exact order because he kind of goes in and out of those questions. But we're going to pick it up in verse 3. You with me? As he sat... On the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, temple being destroyed? When will be the sign of your coming, appearing in the clouds, and the end of the age, completion of all things? When will all this happen? Jesus answered and said, Notice the first words out of his mouth. First words out of his mouth. You ought to underline it, have a highlight in your Bible. Take heed that no one deceives you. Say it. Take heed that no one deceives you. Did you know you can deceive yourself? You know that includes you? When he says, take heed that no one, do you know that you are someone? Do you know you better make sure you're not deceiving yourself? How do you deceive yourself? You hear the word, but you don't do it. James 2 says, if you hear the word, but you don't do it, you deceive yourself. It's amazing to me how many people hear the word and they understand what it says and you go back to them and you say it again and you go back and you say it again but they continue to walk in self-deception because they're not willing to heed what the word says and to do it. Doers of the word are blessed. This is so simple. James said, listen, if you look into this perfect law of liberty, what's a law? It's a rule. It's governed by what God does. Amen. You ought to be glad about that because this planet wouldn't be still revolving and it wouldn't be hanging here without the word of his power, which is a rule that upholds it. Yes. So rule doesn't mean like you got to do this. Rule means the context of like a law that establishes something that's obviously holding things in place. If we didn't have laws in our government, guess what? If you think it's bad now, yeah. right? If there were no laws in our country to some degree, I mean, just imagine what people would do with no laws. So when James says, he who looks into this perfect law of liberty, law of what? Liberty. What is this? What is this? It's a law of liberty. It's a rule of liberty. This doesn't create bondage. To obey the Bible, walk with God. I'm going down to teach these people how to be disciples. 
what it takes to be one. It still shocks me. I, I shake my head a lot of times with believers. I was talking to Tommy this afternoon because he was asking some key questions about these meetings. I said, you know, I'll start off with talking about the most key thing about being a disciple. It's one word. It's called desire. It's called desire. Because, you know, isn't it amazing how people in the natural, they can have such a desire to accomplish something, such a desire to have something. They'll sacrifice stuff for it. I mean, sacrifice stuff for it. Any of you ever desired something so bad when you were younger that you sacrificed things to get it? Yes. See, that's called desire. That's called a will. But guess what? What if you did that with God? Right. What if you had that desire to be a disciple of Jesus? In, in the context of what Jesus said about being a disciple, if anyone desires to come after me, that phrase come after me means to be my disciple. Well, in the book of Luke, Jesus said, he who is trained perfectly trained as a disciple will be like his teacher. Why would you not want to be like Jesus? Why would you not want to walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, live like Jesus? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you why. Desire. You got to be desiring something else other than that. Because if you desire to come after him, guess what? He'll help make you a disciple. Hallelujah. So take heed that no one does what? Let's read through the verses together. Take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5. For many, I'm trying not to preach on these, but it's hard. For many will come in my name. What? Many will come in my name. And they're going to say, I'm the Christ, and they will deceive many. Now, does that just refer to people claiming to be Jesus? No, because he didn't say Jesus. He said they'll claim to be Christ. What does that mean? The anointed one. Where are the anointed ones? We're the, listen, don't ever go around telling people, you need to come to my church because we're the anointed ones. Uh-uh, don't be saying that. You say, we're believers just like you. We love Jesus just like you. Glory to God. But people that say, you're only going to get the anointing in my church. No, you're not. Holy Spirit's everywhere. Thank God I can get the anointing anywhere. Do you know I can get the anointing laying on my bed tonight? That I don't have to be here in church with you? Come on, somebody. So see, what he's saying is, there's going to be many who say, there is a group of so-called, I'm going to say that carefully, so-called prophets today, because I wouldn't call them prophets. They're very well known and they're very well liked and they're listened to by many, many people. Many people on social media follow them. But the amazing thing is nobody's ever read their charter. They just like the things they prophesy and say. But if you go read their charter, they'll tell you, we are an elite group of prophets called by God to usher in the last day's move of God. And unless you are connected with us, you won't be a part of that last day's move. You know what they just said? What Jesus told you right here. Beware for those who say, we're the anointed ones. We're the anointed ones. Tell your neighbor, I'm as anointed as you are. (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit that anoints you. Come on. Nobody has a sold out right to more anointing than somebody else. You got the same Holy Spirit Jesus had. Aren't you glad? You have no less anointing than Jesus had. You just haven't learned how to yield to it or use it, but you got it. So this is referring to those who claim we're the the super anointed ones. Be careful, he said, because many will come saying that. Verse 6, you'll hear of wars. You'll hear of what? Rumors of wars. Yeah, we're hearing of wars. I mean, now it's like it's not even on the news anymore, but the, the war in Ukraine has not stopped. And there are wars actually all over different parts of the planet. We just don't hear about them. Our media doesn't report about it. And there's also what? Rumors of wars. We got a rumor of a war between us and Russia going on again. We got politicians wanting war with Russia. You know why they want war with Russia? This will blow you away. If you understand it and learn it, study it for yourself. You know why they want war with Russia? Why would politicians in our country want a war with Russia? 
Why would they want that? I'm going to tell you why. They have defense contracts that they have actual part in, as well as uh, stock in different parts of companies that make different forms of, of uh, military equipment and stuff. Guess why wars are good to them? They, they benefit. They make lots of money. Lots of money. There's no reason to want a war with Russia. But yet, if you listen to some of our politicians, they've been trying to get a war with Russia for a long time. Why? To make money. Wars make money for a lot of people, believe it or not. They don't care about you, folks. <laughs> they care about lining their pockets, man. So you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Notice, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So this is going to happen up until the end of all things. In context of the time of his second coming, of which, obviously, we've already taught on, the Battle of Armageddon takes place. Right? Yeah. Thousand-year millennial reign. Amen. Hallelujah. And then the end of all things. So even up until that time, wars and rumors of wars. Seven, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences. This, this, this whole deal, this whole thing with, uh, with COVID, that's a pestilence. That's a type of pestilence. There'll be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to what? Tribulation. So, of course, now he's talking about the tribulation period. They will deliver you up to tribulation, and some will die. They'll kill you. And, and notice, you will be hated by all nations for my namesake, and then many will be offended. Many will be what? Oh, nobody's offended today. Nobody gets offended today by anything, right? Well, they like my post. I'm offended. Are you still here? Many. He didn't say a few. Many will be offended. Guess what else they'll do? Sadly, they'll betray one another. And they will what? Hate one another. Verse 11. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive what? Many. Folks, I don't like that, but that's a fact. <clears throat> if Jesus said it, guess what? It's going to happen. And it's going to happen when? In the last days. How many people will be deceived by false ministers? Many. Many will. Verse 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of what? Many. He says it again. The love of many will grow what? Cold. Well, if it grows cold, that means at one time they were totally in love with God. The one thing that bugs a pastor more than anything else is to watch people that have been in his church a good length of time that one time were on fire and in love with God and they slowly begin to drift away. Church becomes less and less for them. Serving God becomes less and less for them. And next thing you know, they're back out doing the things in the world that they did before they got hot for God. This is the love of many growing cold. Are you still here? Notice this, verse 13. But he who, in, underline it, he who endures to the end shall be what? I thought you just had to be born again. If that's all it took, guess what he just said? He who's born again will be saved. He didn't say that. I said he didn't say that. What did he say? Are you listening? I'm quoting Jesus to you. Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Who doesn't give in to the carnal nature, go back to doing, again, things that obviously are willfully in violation of God's will, knowing you're doing so, and you don't care. We're not talking about people who are still battling with stuff in their life. We're talking about people who don't care. They're going to live any way they want. Say, it don't matter, I'm born again, I'm going to live how I want. Verse 14 says, this gospel, though, will be preached in all, the, in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
So on number two, on, on your notes there, Jesus explains here the events of the day just before his coming, which is again what? What is what? What's the day of his coming? Rapture of the church. Not the second coming. This is talking about the day in relationship to him coming back to rapture us off of the planet. 2A, Jesus warns of what? Earthly disasters and also what? Spiritual deceptions. So he doesn't just tell us about earthly disasters. He even tells us clearly that there's going to be many deceived spiritually. All right? B, verse 4 tells us that we are to take heed that what? No man deceive you. So if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to take heed that no man deceive me, what do I need to do to make sure I don't do that? Number one, be a doer of the word so that you're not deceiving yourself. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. Apply what the New Testament tells me and you of how we can live in who we are in Christ Jesus and walk out that relationship. Amen? And the second part of that is because you don't want anybody else to deceive you, how do I keep others from deceiving you? It ain't hard. It ain't hard. I, I still get all these different people come to me and say, what do you think about this person? I don't. What do you mean you don't think about them? I don't know them. I don't follow them. I don't listen to them. You don't? No. Why? They're not a spiritual father to me. I don't know their life personally. If I don't know their life personally, I don't know their fruit. If they're false, if they're not obviously right with God, that's going to be seen by their fruit. Look at the people recently who have been obviously still alive and even some who have passed away, who have now had things come forward about their life that have been going on for years. How about this recent pastor over this very big church that had molested a girl from the time she was... She was young, man. I think she was nine years old, nine or ten years old. And he did this for like nine years. Nine years. And he was standing in the pulpit every Sunday. The sin will find you out. I mean, obviously, it got exposed. But see, it, guess what? Anybody that knew him personally knew this was going on. They were told to cover it up. His family was told to cover it up. His church leadership was told to cover it up. Let me help you. That church leadership, they're going to stand one strict judgment before Jesus. That stuff should have been exposed. Are you listening? But see, if you don't know that man's fruits, right? If you don't know the aspect of their personal lifestyle, well, I guarantee you what? Lots of people in the church knew it was going on, but it was continually covered up by leadership and others that knew about it. She even went to some people and they denied her, actually saying that they didn't believe her and that he certainly was their pastor and they loved him and clearly she must be saying stuff that must not be true. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, it doesn't mean people won't lie about you if you're a minister. People will. But you know what? There's ways to find out if it's true or not. That's why we have leadership. I said, that's why we have leadership. That's why I have a pastor. Praise the Lord. So clearly in verse 4, he said, take heed that no man deceive you. Verse 5, why? Because sadly, many will be deceived. So to avoid that, what do I do? Be a doer of the word. And number two, what should I not do? Why are you listening to ministers you know nothing about? <clears throat> Why would you want to listen to anybody teach you the word of God that God didn't call you to? He's not part of your spiritual heritage. And therefore, obviously, you don't know anything about him. Because if you don't know anything about him, if the Bible said that there would be many, and he said there are many false prophets, and they will deceive many, they're not the minority. They're the majority. I said they're the majority. I mean, we got famous preachers now renouncing things they taught for years that are black and white in the Bible. 
So I'm just helping you. How do I avoid that stuff? Why do you listen to other people that God didn't call you to? Right? Go back to the Corinthian church. Very zealous for God. Very immature. One of the reasons Paul told him, he said, you have 10,000 instructors and you have few fathers, of which I'm one. You know what that means? You won't even listen to me anymore. You want to listen to every other voice except the one that God even sent to you to share the gospel with you and the, the few fathers that I've sent to you to share the word of God with you to help train you and equip you. You're not listening to us anymore. Now you listen to all these other people out here. And you know what all these other people were saying? Paul's a nutcase. What are you listening to Paul for? He's a crazy old man. Don't you remember he was persecuting the church? Well, he was, but he ain't a nutcase anymore. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Not in their day, but in, we obviously now have two-thirds of the New Testament thanks to Paul. But can you imagine Paul, the apostle with signs and wonders following his ministry, brings the gospel to them, and now they're listening to other people believing that Paul's just a nutcase and you shouldn't listen to him anymore? Stick with your spiritual fathers. You got plenty. I said, you got plenty. You want to know who all our spiritual fathers are? I talk about them all the time. Not only the ones that we've had directly, but even ones they've had. What a heritage. I said, what a heritage. Come on, back to the Wigglesworths. What a heritage of people that lived out, proved that faith works. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. Uh, D on your notes, verse 10 says, Many will be offended, and they will even do what? Betray one another and hate one another. Man, we're seeing this all the time. Can I tell you one of the easiest ways to stop getting offended on Facebook? Stop following people. That's a good idea. Get off it. <clears throat> that'll, that'll definitely help you. But if you're not going to get off it, stop following people who have obvious character flaws. Character issue. Why? Because you're feeding on stuff that they're actually posting day in and day out that isn't good for you to be reading or watching or, or listening to. Right. I told Kathy the other day, I said, you want to know the easiest way as a believer to walk in love towards people as it relates to social media? Just stop following everybody. Because if you don't know what they're doing, you can treat them when you meet them in person just like you obviously would always treat them anyway, not knowing what they were doing. Right. <clears throat> Some of you catch up that after lunch tomorrow. Watch this. E, verse 11. Many will be deceived by what? Again, false ministers. Sadly. Sadly. I told you one of the largest churches in America, this pastor told me about it. I didn't know about it. Why? He's got all these ministers all the time looking to him. I, I'm, I don't ever call pastors and say, what do you think about this minister, this minister, this minister? Now, people, we did that early on, some that we were already listening to before we met Dr. Barclay and got him as our pastor. But I don't get it. He gets loaded with all these calls and texts from people. Hey, what do you know about this minister, this minister, this minister, you know? Why would you care? Why would you care to want to listen to all these people? But he one time sent me a little video. He said, you're not going to believe it, Daryl. He said, now, Pastor so-and-so at this massive church has just allowed a woman who calls herself a prophet to come on the platform and perform witchcraft in the church with all of the leaders standing around to get rid of racism in America forever. Didn't work, folks. We still have racism, and you're going to have it until we all come to the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because guess what? you still got flesh to deal with. Uh, F, verse 12. The love of many will grow what? Cold. Why will it grow cold? It said because lawlessness will abound. I've taught you this. So how do I not allow my love for God to grow cold? Don't get into lawlessness. What's lawlessness? Biblically here, what's lawlessness? 
a disregard for the Word of God. A disregard or a loss of respect for the Word of God. It, you, you can include all the evil that goes on on the planet, but guess what? If they had a respect for the Word of God, they wouldn't be doing those things either. But when you start all of a sudden having, uh, have, start having a disrespect for the Word of God, for what it says, how many know what that sounds like? When you start losing a respect for the Word of God, what does that sound like? I know the Bible says that, but. I know the Word says that, but. What do you mean, what do you mean, but? If you know what the Word says, you don't need to know anything else. Right. Amen. And lawlessness will cause you to what? Actually cause your love to grow cold. And here's the sad thing again about love growing cold. I mean, seriously, do you think most of these Christians know that this has happened? No, they don't. I was reminded of this the other day. I was yesterday get, trying to get caught up on a whole bunch of stuff because I've really been, you know, trying to help share in their ministry and all this stuff and get the books mailed out and all, all we're doing to help pick up with uh, Jeff Copenhaver Ministries and preparing for a meeting next week and preparing for this weekend. And I walk in the kitchen, I flip the light on, no light. And you know these old fluorescent tubes, you know how they'll kind of barely sort of light up, you know, kind of have a little bit. I'm like, oh, bulbs are bad. So I go get new bulbs, and I come in, and I actually take the thing off, and I take the old bulbs out. I mean, there's four in these old fluorescent lights, and I put the first two in, boom, more light than I already had with the, you know, what it was before. I put, and, but I noticed when I took it off, guess what? I don't know how long. Two of those bulbs have been burned out, but you don't notice it. It's so subtle. You walk in there, you flip the light switch on, you're used to the dim light. You're used to what you're getting, but it wasn't the full light of what obviously the, the light originally produced. Right. And when I put in the second set of bulbs, I don't know if anybody walked, walked in the kitchen today and flipped the light on, but you probably went, whoa, where'd all that light come from? <laughs> but see, here's the sad part about those whose love that grows cold. They'll be actually down to two bulbs and they won't know it. They'll think they're fine. Are you still here? That's why it's good to have good friends around you who are willing to address you and deal with you when they see that happening in Jesus' name. G, verse 13, what did he say? You'll be saved if you endure to the... Yes. Now, enduring just simply means just be faithful to God. If you stay faithful to God and keep walking with God, you're going to be fine, man. You're not going to have anything overtake you in these last days. H, and many more warnings are given to us to be sold out to Christ completely. Drop down to verse 24. If you look down here at verse 24, he goes on, he goes on to say here, for false Christs and false prophets will rise, and they will show great what? Signs and wonders to deceive, listen, even if possible, some of what? Even if possible, even the elect. So this is talking about those in positions of leadership. So clearly here on your notes on I, verse 24, even the very elect could be deceived. They shouldn't be, because they should be the most knowledgeable of the Word of God. But when people say, well, let me help you, Pastor. I'm not going to be deceived because I know the Bible. I'm going to talk, talk to you about that in just a minute. Because I will promise you, even if you know the Bible, you can still get deceived. Notice J, verse 42 tells us to do what? Watch. Meaning what? Pray, live holy, stay in faith. Expect His coming, church. Jesus said it over and over again. Expect His coming so you won't be what? Caught off guard. Look at verse 42. He tells you, watch therefore. What should you do? Watch. If you're watching, what are you doing? You're praying, you're living holy, you're staying in faith, and you're expecting His, his appearing any day. Watch therefore. Why? Because you don't know what hour that your Lord is coming. Amen? Amen. Verse 44. Therefore you also be what? Ready. Underline it. Therefore you also be what? Ready. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not 
expect. Okay, verse 44 in your notes. Be ready what? At all times, night and day for His coming. If you study the Gospels alone, now notice this little statement here from Dr. Barclay on the bottom. This is powerful. If you study the Gospels alone, you will find that over and over again, Jesus Himself foretold of a remnant. He did. How? Here's how he referred to them as. Those who remain committed, faithful, and true, who would conquer the threats of the last days and be saved. How did he refer to them as? The wheat. How many know the wheat's the remnant? The tares are not. How about the sheep? What's up with the sheep? How many know goats are in church? How many know Jesus said there are goats in church? Tell your neighbor, you better be going, bah, not yeah. Guess what you don't want to sound like in church? Nah. We're going to build a church. Nah. Hey, little goat, you're feeding on the wrong thing. You better become a sheep really quick. Bah. Come on, somebody. Are you listening? Well, see how we can accomplish that. Nah. Well, you're not going to. God's going to. Bah. It's your choice. Are you listening? So he talks about wheat and tares. He talks about sheep and goats. When he comes back, where do the goats go? To his left. Off to the left because they ain't going with him. Where do the sheep go? They're going with him. Right? How about the five again? Wise virgins with extra oil. And those who remained. And those who what? He talks about those who remain. He also talks about those who what? Overcome. And those who what? He said watch diligently. And those who are what? Not deceived. And those who... Endure to the, these are all statements of the remnant. These are all words of Jesus. And what is he talking about? He's talking about the remnant. Come up here, Joshua McLean, so you can help me out for a minute. I want to show you one last thing significant in closing because so much of this involves deception. I want you to just stand right in front of one of those chairs. Your choice. I don't care. Whichever one you want. I know I've showed it to you before, but it bears worth repeating because deception is running rampant in the last days. The Bible didn't say a few would be deceived. It said many. So, can I actually walk free from deception if I just claim, but I know the Bible, I won't be deceived. Will that keep me from being deceived? Obviously not, because a lot of people will even listen to false ministers who claim they know the Bible, and these false ministers are teaching things that aren't true, yet they're, they're, they're taking it hook, line, and sinker. You listening? Like a bass being obviously tricked into taking that lure that you, you put out there for them to take hold of. So there's only one way out of deception according to the Bible. There's only one way out. How many know what the one way out is? Does anybody here know the one way out of deception? Huh? Stay submitted. Stay submitted. But to what? You have to stay submitted to a higher form of spiritual leadership. What did we read today in in, uh, Hebrews 13, 17 this morning? What did we read today? Submit to and obey those who have the rule over you, spiritual leaders. Why? They watch out for your souls. I am not trying to hold anybody in bondage. I'm not trying to keep anybody back from their calling. You kidding me? I'm trying to get people to serve more and fulfill their calling. I'm not trying to keep anybody from walking in their life out what God has for them in the way of a business or a job or a relationship in any aspect of their life of what God desires. I'm not trying to keep anybody from walking out what God has for them. But people think I am. Sometimes people think I am because I can go to the Bible black and white and show them scripture that they say they know that they're no longer doing. 
So here's how it works. I'll never forget this, this example, and I'll remember it all my life. There's certain things that will mark your life that you'll see one time, and it'll just stick with you forever. It was like maybe the second time I ever went to a leadership conference with Dr. Barclay. Might have been the first time. There was a pastor there, and he had him stand up, just like I'm having Joshua stand up. He said, you're all great ministers. You all know the Lord. You know the Word. But you know what? How many ministers have you known in your life that have gotten deceived and misled? Hands went up everywhere. Does anybody know any ministers that ever got deceived and misled? I mean, all across that room, ministers, including me, raised their hands. Yeah, I know some ministers that have. He said, isn't that amazing? Ministers who know the Bible, and yet they got deceived and misled. And I'm going to show you why. Because they were no longer submitted or never were submitted to a higher spiritual authority. You know the problem with a lot of charismatic churches? They don't have shepherds over the shepherd. They don't have leadership. They don't have a pastor. And I've said for years, I've talked in group settings with leaders, minister leaders, and I've looked at five-fold ministry leaders. I said, do you have a pastor? No, I don't need one because I'm a five-fold minister. I said, show me that verse. Go find it for me, please. Go show me the verse in the Bible that says, you're a five-fold minister, you don't need a shepherd. Hey, wait a minute, you're a minister. Did Jesus give gifts to the church? Yeah. Of those five-fold gifts, we talked about them this morning. What's one of those gifts? A shepherd, Right? Isn't that given to the whole body? Yes. Aren't you part of the body? Yes. So he didn't say, because you are one, you're excluded from the gift. Right. I mean, you know, literally, this is absolutely found in all the book of Acts. How I many you know Timothy had a shepherd? Yeah. Who was Timothy's shepherd? Paul was. How I many you know that Titus had a shepherd? Who was Titus's shepherd? Paul was. How I many you know Titus helped Paul establish churches? in different areas, and guess what Paul said? You must now go establish leadership in those churches that we started. Guess who's going to be their spiritual father? Titus will. God set it up this way to protect us, to protect us. So literally, I'm at this leadership conference, and pastor says, now you see, I won't use the guy's name, because the sad truth is, the guy's now off into deception. And so I, I've never forgot this, because the very guy he used that day to show this Two years later, walked off into sin, lost his church, lost his ministry, has never repented, and his life is an absolute shambles today. Total shambles. All because he would not listen to his pastor, Dr. Mark Barclay. But the guy that he used actually wound up falling into, into a deception. So here's the deal. Joshua thinks he's sitting right now. Joshua, say, I'm sitting. I'm sitting. How many know he is not sitting? Yes. But he knows the Bible. And he believes the Bible interpreted by his viewpoint, his you know, view of what Scripture says. This is sitting. I asked you all to sit. He was already actually sitting. He stood up. You all sat down. And you're all looking at, what is Joshua doing up there, man? Pastor been preaching all this time and he's standing. He told us to sit. Does he know that obviously he's not sitting? No. Or otherwise he would be what? Doing what you're doing. Why does he not do that? Listen carefully to this word. Why does he not do that? Say it again. You said it. Go ahead. He's, he's deceived. When you're deceived, do you know it? No. Oh, but I thought you knew the Bible. So clearly, if you know the Bible, you can't be deceived. No, wait a minute. If you're deceived, you don't know it. So there's only one way out. You have to submit to a higher spiritual authority. Out of love and care for you, this is so hard today. This is so hard for me to deal with and address today, even with my church family, because there's very few Christians you can correct today. There's very few. And I'm not saying correct based on what I believe. I'm talking about showing you the Bible black and white. Very few. Why? They get offended. 
They get upset. They don't like, obviously, in their view, of you dealing with something about their life that they don't agree with. So I come to Joshua and say, Joshua, come on, man. I love you, brother. You're not sitting. You're standing. What's Joshua going to first say? I'm sitting. No, I'm sitting, Pastor. I'm going to say, Joshua, why don't you turn around here? So this is like showing the Bible. Look around here. See all these people here? These people are sitting. What you're doing is standing. What's he going to say? No, no, come on. What's he going to say? They're wrong. Yeah, they're wrong, man. They don't know what they're doing. They're all standing. They're all the ones that are messed up. I'm still sitting, praise God. So I turn him back around. I say, okay, Joshua, now let me show you something. Now, this is where you take somebody to the Scripture and you reveal to them from the Bible, black and white, what Scripture says. I want you to trust me. Will you trust me? They got to trust you. They got to trust you. I want you to trust me. I'm going to show you what sitting is like. Watch this. Here you go. Here you go. That is sitting. Now, the moment he'll receive my correction... Guess what happens the moment he hits that chair? That blindness is lifted off of his eyes. Instantly. And you know what he's going to say now? Whoa. And he's going to look around everybody else. He's going to say, wow, all this time I've been standing and all you other believers didn't care enough to tell me? No, he ain't going to say that. Because <laughs> if you'd have told him, you know what he'd have told you? I'm sitting. You're the one who's actually out of, out of line. But you have to submit to spiritual leadership. And if you submit, that's receiving correction. He didn't want to do that. He has to trust me and receive the correction. And if he does receive it directly from the Bible, the moment he receives that correction humbly, not allowing himself to get upset and think now I'm embarrassed in front of everybody because pastor made me sit. No, I don't want to be deceived. And if he'll receive that correction, the moment he does, guess what happens? That blindness is lifted. He's now free from that deception. Are you listening? But there's only one way. You've got to submit to a higher spiritual authority. And if you don't, then why did God give you a pastor? Why do they watch out for your soul? Now, let me help you, church. There's things that go on in church life and always will from now till Jesus returns that relate to people coming and going in churches of which you may hear another thing in relationship to that person and not know the full story. And I will not tell you details about anybody's life because that's personal. There's no reason for me to come to you and tell you everybody else. It's like Pastor said, I know I'm I'm the same way. I'm going to go to my grave with many secrets of many people. That doesn't make a bunch of people bad. That makes us part of what we deal with human. But I guarantee you what, realize this. You don't know all the pictures sometimes of what's going on when people do different things as it relates to church life. Your pastor knows a whole lot more than you realize. And at some point, you got to wake up to the reality. If God gifted this man to be my pastor, he obviously could help me, but he also knows things that I don't know. That don't make him a know-it-all. There's things I don't know. But I guarantee you, I know a whole lot more than you realize because God gave me a gift to know and to help people. Not know everything about your personal life. I'm not about stuff that can help you. But there are things about people's decisions that I'm not going to make public with other people. We're not going to air everybody's laundry out in front of the whole church just so you can think that I'm doing the right thing. At some point, you have to be willing to say, I trust my spiritual leadership. I know God connected me with them. And therefore, I know God's directing me through the word of God to keep me out of deception. If you don't, you're going to fall prey to the deception of the last days. And God doesn't want that to happen, and I sure don't want that to happen. And if you think for one minute I'm trying to hinder anybody from walking out what God has for their life, you're wrong. If I miss it as it relates to somebody hindering them in their walk with God, God's going to deal with me very harshly over that. And he ain't going to wait till I get to heaven to do it. 
Can I get a better amen? amen? So at some point, you have to realize, if I have true God-given spiritual leadership in my life that I have known God brought me to, I've got to be willing to trust them when they're telling me relationship to the Bible, things about my life, or even if they're dealing with others. But here's the problem, folks. You've got to realize most Christians today cannot receive correction. You don't think so? I've been doing this 33 years. I'm going to tell you right now, I've dealt with a lot of things in people's lives over 33 years that I can go black and white to the Bible and say, you're wrong because the Bible's clear. This isn't a gray area. And this is what Scripture says, you're going to hurt your life. And these people still will not receive the correction. And on they go. So I'm here to tell you, folks, you don't want to become one of those deceived people. I said you don't want to become... One of those deceived people. God wants to protect you from that deception. Can I get a better amen? Amen. And I promise you, you will know the fruit in my life if you hang around here for very long. Because if I'm in sin in some way, obviously, that has not been addressed or dealt with or corrected in my life, it's going to get exposed. I'm calling pastor. Yeah, she's calling pastor. (laughs) That's why you have a pastor. I love this last story. Thank you, Joshua. I love this last story that Dr. Barclay shared with us one time. He got a call. He got a call from a a person that actually was a deacon in a church. Deacons don't run churches. They're just servants. And he loved his pastor. I know this pastor, by the way. He loved his pastor. He said, you know, Dr. Barclay, I, I hesitate calling you. I know I'm not leadership or nothing like that, but I love my pastor. And I'm watching my pastor get caught up in a love for money. And everything's coming about, becoming about money in his life, what he has financially, what he has personally, trying to prove himself as a successful minister based on what he owns and what he has. And it's not who my pastor is. I know that he's gotten caught up with this because of some other ministries he's gotten around. Would you please help him, talk to him, call him? He said, son, you know, if you're telling me something that's a lie, I will come back and visit you. He said, I know, sir. He said, I'm telling you because I love my pastor and I don't want to see this happen to him. He said, okay, I'll call him. So he called him. He said, is this true? He said, well, maybe. He said, I'm coming to visit you. And so he did. And when he got there to his church, he said, so tell me about what's been going on with all this stuff. And sure enough, man, it's exactly what had happened. He started getting all caught up into status like a lot of ministers do of having to prove themselves by what they have and what they own, misspending church money on stuff personally, etc. On and on I could go. And pastor said, I've known you for a long time. You're one of my sons in the faith. You repent to this church publicly in the pulpit and you repent to God and you get this corrected immediately or I'll stand before your church and I'll tell them, get out out of here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's my pastor. (laughs) If I'm out of line, let me help you. He's also a prophet. If I'm out of line, guess what? You're going to have him stand in this pulpit and tell you, get out of here. That's a powerful protective factor. Are you listening? That most pastors don't have. Sadly, they should, but they don't. And thank God he repented. He thanked pastor for doing what he did. And he actually called that deacon in. And he said, I can't thank you enough for loving your pastor so much that you saw this going on. And you called my pastor to have him come in and help me get out of this deception. Thank you for doing so. Hallelujah. That's how God wants it to work. So thank God we can stay free from deception of the last days. Amen. Are you part of the remnant? If you are, what are you? I'm on fire. I'm serving God faithfully. I'm not walking away. I'm walking in my relationship with God every day. And therefore, I'm going to make it to the end. How about you? Stand your feet. Praise God.
pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.